In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please see. I love Christmas. It combines all of the delicious feasting and celebrating of Thanksgiving with some of my favorite creature comforts, such as staying inside, perhaps with a roaring fire, twinkling lights, and cozy pajamas. Receiving gifts is nice, giving gifts is better for me, and enjoying time with those that you love is priceless. Now, ever since I was a child, I've loved all things Christmas, with one notable exception, the hymn Joy to the World. Perhaps without saying any more, you can see where I'm going with this. It's a classic, and, and that's for a reason. It has wonderful lyrics, it has a lively tune that is pretty easy to sing along with. But all of this was lost on me because, guaranteed, starting the day after Thanksgiving, anyone and everyone would start singing that song to me as soon as I'd say my name, and then all of the heads would start turning in my direction. And as a shy child, this was a nightmare. This was a nightmare. One year was particularly brutal, as not only was my name Joy in the Christmas season, but I had somehow managed to lose both my front teeth just in time for the holidays. So that year, I managed to get not one, but two songs sung at me wherever I went. Now, it has taken me years <laughs> to be able to hear or sing this song without cringing on Christmas. So when we sing this later as our you know, closing hymn, we can consider this a joint act of intentional redemption for me, <laughs> as well as, I hope, a sincere praise. So. Listening to the readings this morning, you should know that Christmas Day is a celebration. It's one of the biggest celebrations that we as Christians have, and we're going to take a look at why today. Now, Isaiah, the first reading, we heard a prophecy foretelling Israel's redemption and the coming of their long-awaited Redeemer. The people of Israel had been walking in darkness. They have turned their back on God, and they had disobeyed his law and commandments time and time again. The Jesus Storybook Bible, which we use downstairs a fair bit, says that their hearts were far from God, and I think that's a fair description. But even though they were walking in darkness and their hearts were far from God, this is the moment that God chooses to intervene. We are told that these wayward people, these sheep gone astray, have seen a great light. And that itself is a miracle. A miracle. They have seen a great light. Hope springs forth in the, in the form of a child, of all things. Now, for those of us growing up in the faith, or if you're familiar with the story that we've heard, this doesn't sound like anything too surprising to us. But this was huge for Israel at the time. You see, God was proving to be faithful, and he had promised to bring them out of darkness, and they're seeing it come about. They are hearing it's happening. So listen to this. He would bring them out of the darkness that their sin had thrown them in. Verse 4 in Isaiah talks about the yoke that burdens them being broken, as is the rod of their oppressors. You know, 
Now, even though it isn't one of our texts this morning that we heard, you have to think about the contrast between this yoke of their oppressors, that their darkness and their sin and their choice to disobey God has forced on their shoulders, right? Think about that yoke. And then think about the yoke that Jesus describes in Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <sighs> Beautiful words, such a contrast. You can get why he's called the Prince of Peace. So why are we rejoicing today? We're rejoicing because God's forever kingdom of justice and righteousness is being established on earth. Israel will be redeemed. And who is the one doing all of this redeeming? God, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Just a few of his titles, just a few. Now, the story of our Savior's birth in Luke 2 is also a celebration narrative, right? You know how it went. You just heard it. God chooses to intervene, and he initiates his great rescue plan for the world by sending his son, Jesus, to redeem it. So let's just wrap this all up real quick. Mary's yes, the Magnificat, the Immaculate Conception, the two sisters meeting and John leaping in the womb, traveling to Bethlehem, the virgin birth, the incarnation, God made flesh. It's part one of the greatest story ever told and it's incredible. Take a moment and think about that for just a second because we've gotten too familiar with it. Think of all the little miracles along the way that had to take place for this story to be told. Now, we get to see this news of great joy for all people and the subsequent rejoicing that takes place in a, in a relatively isolated moment among shepherds. If you think about it, it's kind of amazing to imagine that the first time anyone hears the Gloria in Excelsis Deo, anyone hears this, ringing forth from the lips of a heavenly choir, no less. It's a group of humble shepherds in a field, minding their own business, far away from the city. Listen to those words. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's one of the greatest praise choruses to ever be written and to ever be heard. And the first part is pretty easy to understand. Glory to God. Yeah, we got that. Glory. And the highest refers to where God abides. Glory to God in the highest, the highest heaven. But it's that second part that maybe we've glossed over and we haven't really heard with fresh ears. So listen to that. On earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Did you catch that? Peace not to the whole earth, not to all creatures great and small, but peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, at first, this seems completely unfair. Why not peace for everyone? Why not peace for the whole world? 
The answer is this. When God gives us a gift, you can be assured that it's not cheap, and it's something far better than whatever we could imagine or hope for. You see, God's peace is not like any other peace that we know of. It's not just a sentiment or a hope of a peaceful afternoon, sitting on a couch, hopefully without your family fighting. No. Philippians 4 tells us that the peace of God surpasses all understanding and that it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that's described here is more than just a fleeting thing. It's an otherworldly peace. Maybe a better way of understanding it would be that this peace that God offers is being totally at ease because you are resting in the spirit. You are in communion with God. No matter what happens, no matter what is going on, there is true inner rest, peace. And that is what God is offering to his people through his son, Jesus. And why is this gift not given to all people? Well, because you have to choose to abide in the Prince of Peace. You have to choose to take his yoke upon you. And you have to let go of your claim to everything else that this world has to offer. And that is not easy. That is hard, hard work. You cannot do both. You cannot both bear the yoke of Christ and the yoke of the world. You can't do it. Now, as a moment of just pointed insight, because we all have to have these moments of pointed insight here, this practically means when you are not feeling at ease, when all is not well in your world, when peace is the furthest thing from your soul, is the first thing that you turn to Jesus? Is, is the first thing that you turn to Jesus? Do you turn to him? Do you cling to him? If your answer is no, and that's what you've mentally committed, you're in good company because that's not often my first response either. Too often I reach for just another cup of coffee. I think, oh, maybe I'll turn on something on Netflix. Maybe I'll scroll through Facebook. Whatever it is, I don't often turn to God first. And I ought to know better. I know that true peace is found nowhere else in this world. So why do I choose to settle for less? Now, mercifully, it turns out that King Jesus, whom we see today as that baby in the manger, grows, out to, grows up to be love itself. Not from today's reading, again, but hear what Jesus says to his disciples in his final discourse in John. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. What a relief, then, to hear him say that he doesn't give as the world gives. You can hear the tenderness in his words, the love that he has for his disciples, and that same love that he wants to lavish upon us. That is the reason that we are moved to sing joy to the world today. We sing, we celebrate, we feast, and we thank God for his faithfulness to us. 
his care in bringing about our salvation when we were helpless to help ourselves. Christmas is God entering the world to set things right, and we know that he is coming again. In Titus, we hear instructions about how to live, how to live in obedience, not only training ourselves up in godliness and self-control, but how to help others do the same. We are told that we are supposed to live lives of self-control, being upright and godly in all that we say and do. Now think about that. Yes, it's Christmas. Our waiting has ended. Jesus is here, glory. But in another sense, we continue to wait and we live in this tension and this anticipation of all that is yet to come. Now the lesson of Advent leading into Christmas is that this waiting, this life living and waiting and anticipation is not one that it's vain. This is not vain waiting. We must not grow weary living out this waiting in a broken, weary world, we can't afford to be burnt out. We are the hopeful people. As Christians, we know that our king has already come. We celebrate that today. And we celebrate again that, as promised, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. So let us continue living out this tension, this anticipation, this celebration for all the good that is yet to be coming with this song of praise on our lips and in our hearts. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Amen.